Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Good morning. Good morning. All right. How are y'all this morning? Good. I am good as well. Thank y'all so much for being here and for being at the Vessel. Can we thank Trey Vion, Mr. Gary Gall, Jana, and for Jessica for leading us in worship? Awesome. You guys are great. Thank y'all. Um, Gary mentioned up front, but um, a little bit about kind of Haven of Love and one of our ministry partners. And so I just want to reiterate again, if you have any interest in jumping in and getting involved, we have a few opportunities coming up within the next six months, which is a really big deal because it is truly uh, giving us opportunity to go back into the prison system with Karen and serve those inmates and bring um, like what Gary said, freedom in Christ into that place. And so if you're interested at all, uh, please talk to Mr. Gary, or if you're online through church at home, you can say, hey, I wanna go to prison, but not like that kind of comment there, and, and we'll get you plugged in. I'm super excited about that. That's been one of the hardest things, if not the hardest thing during uh, the last year has been uh, kind of our opportunities to get out into our community, to get out into the world and to serve and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And those have been super limited. And things and, and ministries that have been going for generations and years uh, have, have been put on pause in a lot of ways. So um, I went out um, this past year with a few guys. We were doing this discipleship group. And we went to this church in downtown Austin that, uh, with this little ministry called Feed My People and they were still making efforts to serve this homeless community. And so they've been serving the homeless in downtown Austin for 30 years. And, it, and just to see how they had been flexible and how they changed, how they modified to be able to still meet those needs was really cool. But things like Karen and, and what she does with Haven of Love, um, to not be able to go into the prison system has been really difficult. But one thing that she's done instead is she started a Friday um, at two o'clock prayer call. And so she has all these people that are connected with her ministry that get on this prayer call and we pray together for about 30 to 45 minutes. It's typically, I mean, there's lots of people that I've never met before, which is cool. And so it's me and it's Jessica and Gary. And even in that, if you wanna be a part of uh, kind of the prayer ministry that she started um, through Haven of Love, that's another good way to get plugged in. If you have... 30 minutes to an hour at two o'clock on Friday, come and talk to me and we can get you on that, that team. And it's really cool because I feel like, Jess, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like I know these women. I feel like I've gotten to know these ladies that I've never laid eyes on just through praying together. And that's powerful. But we've had to be really flexible with what it looks like when it comes to outward ministry. And that's what, we've, that's what we're gonna be talking about this morning is the since the start of this year, we've been talking about our vision as a church. What is our vision? And so um, I wanna kind of recap where we've been. I'm gonna do it today and then next Sunday, and then we'll be done with that. But I wanna recap where we've been. Is that we as a church, we have kind of three things that help guide us, that, that help shape and kind of give us identity as a body. So the first is our mission statement. And our mission statement is that we are called to be vessels of a living Christ, of the living Christ set apart for his purpose and his kingdom. And that is our identity and who we are as a church. Um, our, our core values, we have four core values that we've talked about in the past that help shape 
and guide and give us direction as to who we are. And so these are, there's lots of values that we could have that are really important, but these are the four that we feel like God has called us to uphold at the highest here at the vessel. And those four are what? Unity. That's right. Generosity. Authenticity. You can't answer them all, Lindsay. And humility. That's right. Unity, generosity, authenticity, and humility. And I think uh, I had uh, a friend uh, or someone that I've gotten to know that visited the vessel last week and we got coffee this week. And I was so encouraged because he, he came and visited and he's been in a lot of churches and just said, like those things that you talked about, he's like, man, I could see it. I could see that in y'all. I could see that and sense that when I came in. And that was really sweet because it, it really was affirming to me of who God's kind of called us and created us to be. And so now this year, we've kind of introduced at the beginning of this year, this idea of what is our vision? So if our mission statement is who we are, if our core values are our guiding principles and kind of our coordinates, so to speak, then our vision is the what we do, the what we do. And so we, we feel like our vision has called us to three things, that we are, we are called to inward relationship with one another. And we talked two weeks on that and why that's really important and really biblical. And it's so important, in fact, that the world will know that we are his followers because of the way that we love one another. Over 100 times in the New Testament, we are called into relationship with one another and how that's really important. Uh, we talked the last couple of weeks about upward relationship with God and how our relationship with the Lord is this upward idea. We talked about what it means to be the bride of Christ. We looked at the life of King David as a man who is after God's own heart and how us as a church, that's who we're called to be a church that's after God's own heart. And then when we come in here on Sunday mornings and what we just did in worship and what we're doing now by opening God's word is that this is upward relationship with God. It's his body coming together, the bride being together and being an intimate relationship with him and how significant and important that is. And so that goes from front to back. That goes from the guys and gals that get here at 7.30 in the morning and unlock this building and put these chairs out that goes to uh, our team, um, our tech team in the back that gets uh, church at home going and sets the camera up and the sound to our worship team, to the prep that I do on, the, on a weekly basis, that we believe that biblically we're two or more gathered in his name, he is in our midst, is that when we walk into this room, that this is holy ground, that we walk into the presence of God and how significant and important that is. And, and so I started thinking about that this week and about, do you ever remember, they, had, they used to have these things that were called concerts. I don't know if you ever remember those. So the whole idea is that a band would play and a bunch of people would come and they would listen to music. I know that's a foreign idea now. Like I watch Netflix now and I see all these people gather. I'm like, they should have masks on, right? That's how trained I've been. But Back in the day, we used to, Shay and I love going to concerts and seeing music. And so if you've ever been to the concert, have you ever been front row in a concert? Yes? Right there, yeah. Who have you seen front row, Ginger? Boston, there you go. She had to make sure it wasn't, she's, yeah, Boston, there you go. He's been front row, okay? Who have you seen front row? Maroon 5, there you go. Are they even together? I know, um, what's his name? Adam Levine, thank you. Adam Levine uh, is now do his own thing, but I don't know if Maroon 5 is still together. But yeah, Maroon 5. Who else? Front row, big, biggie boy. 
Chicago, front row. And to be front row, how do you get front row? Either you pay a lot of money, or if you're poor like Shay and I, you get there early, right? You get there early. And I thought about that with upper ministry and not to shame anyone. But man, when we come here on Sunday mornings, like we'll go see Chicago or Maroon 5 or Boston, right? And we'll get there early. We'll spend money. We'll make plans. And we get there and we're excited. And when the band comes on the stage, man, there's excitement and there's energy. But to think that every Sunday, man, every, we have opportunities to walk into the presence of God and we just kind of walk in, you know, sometimes lazy, sometimes tired, sometimes not so early. And look at the front rows. We literally have front rows here that are empty. If anybody wants to take them, you can. No, you don't have to move, Lindsay. The, the, the point is this, is that what happens in here on a Sunday morning is powerful is life-changing, is eternal to think that we can come and be with the Lord. We can stand at his feet. And we, like Janice said in that, in that song, you know, that we are chosen, we're not forsaken, that we can bring all of our baggage, all of our stuff, all of our pain, all of our hurting, all of our brokenness and sit at the feet of the Lord blameless, complete freedom in Christ, made whole, and like, man, do we realize how powerful that is? But we're not talking about upward this morning. Our last thing in our vision is what it looks like to have outward relationship with the world. And this is gonna be our focus this Sunday and next, and what it truly means to have an outward relationship with the world. And, and I thought about this term outward. Outward means from the center, turning away from the center, so if we think about us coming and being in the presence of the Lord, the outward is the idea is that if we turn our back, not turn our back on God, but we walk out of here and we look out to the world, what does our relationship with the world look like? And that's what we're gonna be talking about this morning. And I have this really nifty uh, Venn diagram. Jacob, if you would put up here, look at that. You can clap for that. I made that. So this is the principle and the idea is that we have these, these visions and it's easy to silo these different things, right? It's easy to say, all right, I'm gonna do inward ministry. I'm gonna get in a small group. I'm gonna get in a discipleship. I'm gonna go to women's Bible study. Boom, checkbox, done. Then Sunday morning, I'm gonna attend 3.2 times a month and I'm gonna be there and I'm gonna be there somewhat early. I might sit on the front row once a month and I'm gonna do my upward ministry. And then outward ministry, I'm gonna uh, go serve on a mission trip or I'm gonna do this or uh, with Haven of Love or I'm gonna evangelize to a neighbor and boom, check these three boxes. But truly what God's calling us to do and where the Lord is calling the vessel as far as vision is that center part. It's where those three things meet where we're not siloed those things, that we're, we're not checking boxes, but that's truly what our vision looks like. So we're gonna look at this kind of idea this week and next week. But our, this morning, we're gonna focus on outward ministry. So before I open uh, and read our scripture for this morning, I wanna pray. And I just wanna invite the Lord to give us a clear picture into what he is wanting to say this morning. So if you would, pray with me. Dear Lord, God, we thank you that we can be at your feet. God, that we can be in your presence. Lord, that there is a place for us in your house, that you have prepared that room, that you've gone ahead. 
And we just thank you and praise you for that, Lord. Um, We thank you for your presence. We thank you that we are called together and we're not to walk through this alone, that we're called and given the opportunity to be in community with one another, Jesus. So we thank you and praise you for that. God, I pray for this morning. God, would you give us a clear picture of what our relationship looks like with the world? God, would, you, would your words just speak powerfully to us? Would you soften the soil of our hearts? God, would you use me, God, to deliver your message? Would you silence my voice and amplify your own? We thank you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, if you would, open your Bible if you have it, or you can look on the screen behind me to John chapter 17. This is actually a, a, a scripture that we've talked about in this very room before. Uh, and this is in John chapter 17. And as you're turning there or pulling it up on your phone or staring at the screen behind me, I'll give you a little bit of context of where this is with John. If you've ever read the book of John, John is a bit of a leapfrog. So, so John kind of leapfrogs from these moments of moments through scripture. Out of the, out of the four gospel Gospels, John looks the most different. And, and it's the one that there's a lot of stuff in the Gospel of John that's left out of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it, so it's a little bit of this leapfrog. It's from this moment to moment, these interactions with Jesus had. It's not, it's not as a continuous story as that maybe the other synoptic Gospels are. And so as John is leapfrogging through, when John gets to about chapter 17, in his gospel, and he's writing, it's like that, it's like going from this 30,000 foot view to this three foot view. He, it's this really zoomed in view, and he begins to take a lot of really slow time to mark these last days of Jesus' life. And, and I was reading some commentary this week on the book of John, just as a study in general, and that if the, if the whole book of John was as detailed as these few chapters right towards the end, that it would take 12 Bibles worth to tell the whole story, that that's how much it was. I mean, John goes into great detail about these interactions that Jesus had, and specifically the interactions he had with his disciples on his last days, his last days on earth. It's the, it's the days where uh, the disciples come in, he washes their feet, they have the last supper, and it's the day before he goes to the cross. And so John 17 is this prayer that Jesus prays. And again, it is the only gospel that has this prayer recorded. And John, the Apostle John, he wrote this when he was in his 90s. Now, just think of how perfect is the Lord to give him this revelation and give him this memory to these exact words that Jesus spoke during this time. So he records this prayer that Jesus prays. And this is the longest prayer by Jesus Christ that we ever see in Scripture. It's not the only time Jesus prays, but a lot of times when we read about Jesus praying, it skips over. It says that Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, or Jesus prayed all night, or Jesus left and went to pray, or Jesus prayed for the people. It doesn't go into detail, but John 17 goes into great detail this prayer that Jesus prays. So he first prays for himself. Um, He then prays for his disciples. And finally, he prays for all believers throughout the history of time. And so one thing that's really interesting, what we're going to look at today is that Jesus specifically prays for the disciples and for us and our relationship with the world. And so as as we're thinking this morning about what does it look like to have an outward relationship with the world, we can see the Lord's heart for us and how our interaction, our relationship with the world is supposed to look like, as Jesus specifically prays for this. So if you would read, I'm reading John 17, 13 through 19, says this. 
I'm coming to you now. Again, this is Jesus praying to God on behalf of his disciples. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. So Jesus introduces this concept and prays for this idea of what it looks like to be in the world and not of the world. And that is something, if you've been in Christian circles, that has been thrown around often, that we are in the world and not of the world. And that's something that uh, I and Shay have talked about a lot, even recently. Uh, in our small group this week, we, we started a new small group with young adults, you know, other young adults like Shay and I, young people. And so... You don't have to laugh quite so loud, Melissa. Okay, I'm not 40 yet. Soon, soon, yet. So uh, we started this, this small group with young adults, and, and I'm, we were saying I've been super excited about it, and it's been super, uh, super fun. We, we met this week um, at, for the first time, and we were kind of anxious about how it went, and then we got in the car, we're like, that was so good. That went so good. It went better than what we thought. But in our small group, one of the things we asked just as a kickoff for this semester is to just ask the question, hey, what are you, what are you praying for? Like, what do you want to see God do in your life? And I talked about this as kind of my prayer, is that I'm struggling with being in the world but not of the world and what that looks like, specifically when it comes to the matter of time and God's timing in my life. And so this is something that we all struggle with um, and have contact with on a daily basis. And so I want to just look at those two ideas. I want to look, first of all, what does it mean to be in the world? And second of all, what does it mean to be not of the world? So rather than trying to lump those two together, I want to look at one and then look at the other. So first, we're going to talk about what it means to be in the world. And so um, in the world is simply at its easiest and most under, easiest to understand form is your location, is where you are, where you are in space, in time, in relationship, in the history of the world, where you are right now. So it's literally talking about your place in this very moment, February 7th, 2021, at 1044 a.m., you are in this room. It is where God has brought us. Um, in college, I was a, believe it or not, I did not go to a Bible college. I don't think UT is a Bible college. And I was not a Bible major. I was a geography major. And so I graduated with a geography degree from UT. And a lot of people ask me when they hear that I'm a geography major, they say, oh, man, you must know all the capitals. Or like, you're really good at looking at maps and where places are. I'm like, no, that's not a college degree. That's like sixth grade, uh, the sixth grade thing that you do that you forget after sixth grade. So no, I don't know all the capitals of all the states in Texas uh, but geography is more about just looking at maps. Geography is really looking at how people and people groups interact with one another uh, based off location, based off culture, based off time, based off history, based off religion. And it's super interesting, even though I'm not doing anything with geography right now, but it's really looking at people. And so when we think about what it means to be in the world, it's literally that. 
This idea is that God has placed us in this very space, in this very time, at this moment. Now, I want you to know um, that that is not by accident. That is not by accident. Is that you are, even in this room today, you are not here just by happenstance. You don't happen to come in and walk in this room, and that is not a surprise to the Lord. Is that he's brought us together. And a lot of times, whenever, like when I'm thinking about church, I imagine, like, how does the Lord do that? Like, how does the Lord put the Parkers and the Tomans and Kay and Ginger and Dustin and Scott and Jan? How does the Lord bring us all together? Like, in his perfection, he calls us into relationship. And I, I'm, I always say that I hate the idea that the devil's in the details. That is not true. The Lord is in the details as he brings us and calls us together. And so when we think about being in the world, it's that very idea that this is where God has called and brought us during this time. Verse 15 says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Even though Jesus struggles in this world, and we see through scripture people praying to be removed and taken out of this world, is that Jesus says, my prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, uh, but that you would protect them from the evil one. And so when we think about this idea of outward relationship with the world um, and what that means, first of all, in the world means that we have to play the rules of the game. We have to play by the rules of the game. So if you open up any board game, like if you play Monopoly, right, there's certain rules that are set in stone and there's certain rules that are like house rules, right? Like do you collect when you pass go? How do you handle the community chests in the middle? There's certain vagueness of rules that are house rules. But generally, when you play Monopoly, there are rules of the game. And you can't, like, if you're going to play the game, you got to play by the rules. I used to play Monopoly when I was a kid with my brother, and I never won, not one time. And my brother, interestingly enough, was always the banker and would hand out the money. And so somehow I never won. And so speaking of being a banker, when we think about rules of the game and being in this world, there's there certain things that we have to play by. So money is one of them. Like we've got to play by the rules of the game. Like we think about scripture and we look at Jesus and he teaches us how to pray. God, uh, pray for our daily bread. Pray the Lord provides for us today. Now anyone in this room right now, anyone that's watching through church at home knows that that's unrealistic, Right? is that how can we just ask for today? We have bills to pay. We have kids that need education and a college to be paid for. We need to put into retirement. We've got to be thinking about saving up for a new car. We've got a mortgage or we've got rent and we've got all these things. And so when we think about money, we've got to play by the rules of the game. And that's hard for us because we're in the world. And Jesus tells us, don't worry about that. God is going to provide and he is our provider. But we struggle by the rules of the game. And so, you know, Shay and I were talking just yesterday. I mean, I'm praying that for the vessel, right? I'm struggling that with the, currently with the vessel. Like I have, I'm a dreamer at heart and I have all these dreams for the Lord to do this. And I, I want God to put us in a building downtown in downtown Round Rock. And I go and I sit in downtown Round Rock and I have a heart for those who are far from Jesus. And I sit there and I work and I pray and I bring my Bible and I sit outside and I watch these people that walk by. And they, as they walk by, I think, you need Jesus. Next people walk by, you need Jesus. Oh, you need Jesus. I'm like, Lord, this is where we're supposed to be. God, put us here so we can be a light on a hill, a lamp on a stand, God, so we can be in our community. 
right? And I'm totally judgmental. How do I know whether they know Jesus or don't? I just assume no one knows the Lord. But that's my heart. I'm like, God, if you would only do these things, like if you would just listen to me. But Shay and I have struggled with, like I've struggled with that. And Shay is really gracious to help me about what does it look like when it comes to timing and money and how the Lord works. And then timing's another one. And that's what I shared with the small group I've been, I've been struggling with, is that I have these dreams for what the Lord is doing. And I want it to happen now. I don't want to wait. I don't want it to happen in the future. And so I was thinking about that. And I met with a, a friend this week and we talked about that, about God's timing and the world's timing. And how the interesting thing about time is that time has to be spent. You can't save it. You can't put it into a bank. You can't save it up for the future. It must be spent. Literally right now, you are spending time. And there are times that we get in our lives, oh, God, I just want you to move forward. I just want you to make it happen. I don't wanna wait. I don't wanna be patient. And it's not bad things that we're praying for, but the rules of the game of living in the world is that time happens and we can't save it and it has to be spent, and it has to be used. Look at where Jesus is when he's talking to his disciples in this moment. He's on the doorstep of death. Death is a rule of the game, is that, in the, that we will all meet death at one point in time. And so it's part of the game that we play. And so when we think about our relationship with the world, it's hard because we, we have this, these rules of the game that we've got we've to play by. And so Jesus says this in John three sixteen. He says, for God so loved the world, right? We know that the Lord, when he looks outwardly to the world, that he loves the world. And it is the scripture. It's the one that we all know. It's the one that even if you're a Christ follower, you don't know. It's the scripture that, that people and athletes put on their, their, under their eyes or on their whatever, and, and they proclaim it. It is the scripture. But then in 1 John two fifteen. Scripture says, do not love the world or anything that's in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. And it's, I struggle with this because this is clearly a contradiction. At one moment, Jesus says, for God so loved the world. And then we hear in Scripture that we are to not love the world. And if we do love the world, then the Father's not in us. And we don't know the Lord. And so it's this idea of being worldly. Is that if we are to love the world, it's are we loving the humanity that's here that God sent us to, to evangelize, to serve, to love, to reach out to? Or is it the worldly things of the world that we're supposed to love? So in verse 18, uh, Jesus continues and prays this. He says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And so the, I want you to think about this idea of being in the world. In the world defines our purpose. It's our purpose is that we think about our lives, the only reason that you are still here is for kingdom purpose. If you call yourself a Christ follower, if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, the only reason you are still here is for kingdom purpose. Not so that you can be comfortable, not so that you can make a lot of money, not so that you can achieve some sort of status or have some sort of reputation. It is literally for the advancement of the gospel that you're still here. And that looks different for all of us. It doesn't mean that all of us are in ministry or all of us should be worship leaders or all of us should, should, should go and do prison ministry. That right where you are, consider where God has placed you at this place in time and what your kingdom purpose is 
um, in, in Esther chapter four, um, when Mordecai, he goes to Esther and, and, and implores her to save God's people. His, God's people are on the doorstep of destruction. And Mordecai says this. He says, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But if you and your father's family will perish, and who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this, is to think that the Lord has placed us here and brought us here at this time for a kingdom purpose. And so that's what it means to be in the world, is to understand that where God has brought you and the purpose with which he brought you to that place. And it's not to conform to the world. It doesn't mean that we're supposed to fit in and be happy and to be successful and to be comfortable. Because Jesus then not only says that we're in the world, but he says that we're not of the world. In verse 14, it says, I've given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. So this idea of not of the world, this is something in a relationship that we're faced with every single day is that the moment you woke up today, you are forced into a relationship with the world. You're forced into that relationship. You do not have to have a relationship with Jesus. You can choose not to. So we talk about upward relationship with Jesus Christ. You can say no to that. You do not have to have a relationship with one another. You don't have to engage. You don't have to be involved. You don't have to be known. You can isolate yourself, but you are forced into a relationship with the world. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you are. You are forced in this relationship, and we know that by the moment that we wake up, that, we're, that the world comes at us, right? The moment that we lay down to sleep, the, Lord, the world is still there waiting for us. And every day you get up and you have this relationship. And so as we think about that, as we consider we're forced in this relationship with the world, what does it mean to not be of the world? I don't know if you've ever been a foreigner. If you've ever been in a foreign country for any extent of time, I studied abroad in Brazil for three months in college. I don't know if that counts. But the day I walked into this home that I lived at, I was 22 years old, and I lived with this, this sweet little family. And I walked in, I didn't speak any, I didn't speak a single word of Portuguese. And I walked in their home, and I'm going to live at this home for three, for three months, and there's this mother and this little boy. Uh, her grandson lived there, and then there was me. And I walked in. I didn't even know how to say hello. I don't know if you know how awkward that is, but I'm like, uh, you know, I didn't speak any Portuguese. And this little boy, he didn't understand it. He was like six years old. He was like, papa, papa, papa. He's just talking to me. I'm like, yeah, I have no idea what you're saying. But that's what it's like. Like we walk into this world, and what does it look like to be a foreigner? And so me and this little boy, every, every morning, uh, we used to watch Sp- uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. I've never watched that show. That's like after my time. Uh, but we used to watch it, and I remember it said, Bob, a sponge, a casa quadrada. Was, uh, and I, we used to sing the song together, and I didn't understand any of it, but I could still appreciate SpongeBob with this little boy. But when we think about, as Christ followers, what our relationship with the world looks like, do we see ourselves as foreigners? Do we see ourselves as being not of this world? Verse 14, Jesus says, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. And so Jesus tells them, he says, I've given them your word and they are not of the world any more than I am not of the world. And Jesus compares ourselves to him and that's a big deal. But he says that we are not to walk in this foreign land alone, that he literally put his word into us. 
And we, a lot of times we think about scripture in the Bible as this is, a, this is an instruction booklet, right? If, you, if we're gonna put something together, if we're gonna assemble something, if we got Ikea furniture, like this is our instruction booklet for life. It's gonna tell us how to do the things that we're supposed to do. Or we think it's, it's, a, it's a, like a self-help book. We think if I'm gonna read my Bible, it's gonna tell me how to behave, how to interact, how I should do these sort of things. But, but we have to realize that his word is not a self-help book. It's not an instruction book. It's a sword that he puts into our hand. It's alive and active. In John chapter 1, John starts by saying this. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and out of him nothing was made that has not been made. Down in 14, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have to realize that God has equipped us to be in this world, to be able to fight for our lives here, to be able to advance his kingdom forward. It's not that we're just supposed to follow some instructions and follow a set of rules, but it's that we are to live um, with his spirit in us, with a the, with the word that is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. Verse 16, he says this, they are not of the word world, even as I am not of it. And so Jesus doubles down on this idea in this prayer. He says, they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Now, I want you to understand that comfort is not the objective. If we think about our relationship with the world, this is not a waiting ground. This is not purgatory. We are not here just waiting for death to begin so that our eternal life can start. Is that we are not to seek comfort and satisfaction here in the world. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so when we think about the world and we think about not being of the world, it means that we don't allow the world to shape us and to shape who we are. And I want you to know that is an empty well. And if you are going after the world that's gonna tell you how to behave and how to act and how to be successful and how to gain happiness, that is an empty, dry well. And the more you drink from it, the thirstier you're gonna be. Uh, I was, this, this past week, I was, or no, two weeks ago, I had to go get a new cell phone. My cell phone uh, died and I met this guy at the cell phone store that um, I, I, one of the things I've been praying for myself this year is to be a proclaimer. I was like, Lord, I wanna proclaim your gospel in my life. And not to just on Sunday mornings, but, but as I walk and as I go along the road. And so I got into this, uh, I went in the store to buy a new cell phone. And here I am, and there's this 26-year-old guy that is going to sell me a cell phone. And have you, you know how long that process takes. It's like an hour-long process. They've got to download all the stuff from my phone because I couldn't get it off. My phone was super old. And so he begins to help me in this process. I thought, this guy is in for it. I'm going to tell him. I'm going to share the gospel with him. I'm going to tell him the truth about Jesus Christ. He cannot run. I've got an hour with this guy. And so as, I, as we're talking, as we're praying, I'm just like, all right, Lord, I don't want to just be like, man, do you know how much God loves you? And do you know that you're a sinner and that Jesus died on the cross for you? I mean, that is not the way to go. And so I just began to pray and I was like, Lord, how do I proclaim your truth to this guy? All right, here we are and we're in the world. You've placed me in this moment. How can I be a proclaimer? And this guy began to talk to me about life and about purpose and about why we're here. And he doesn't know Jesus Christ, but I believe that that is in every single human being. 
It's in the fabric of how we're made to want to know truth, to seek after purpose, to know value. And there's some sort of realization deep down in every one of us that knows that we are created for more. And even in our hurting, even in our brokenness, there's something more that's there. And so this guy started sharing. And he was like, man, like we live in this world. He's like where people are starving and people are rich and, you know, no one cares for one another and people hate one another. And then he starts telling me that he's reading this book and it's, it's, it's like a self-help book. And I just, I just leveraged all those things that he was talking about. I was like, yeah, I agree. And I believe that that's in all of us, that we have value and we have purpose. Man, the Lord, when he looks at us, he says our value is his blood on the cross. And it just began to snowball and it began to come out and it began to just, and it, there was a moment there where he realized what I was doing about 20 minutes in and he like pulled back in his shell and I just waited and I just waited. And so, and I kind of, I kind of prodded and then he began, but, but finally we got there and I was like, I just told him, I was like, man, do you know like that you are beautifully and wonderfully made? It doesn't matter if you know Jesus Christ or you don't. Is that that is how God created you and he created you with purpose and value and he loves you so much. And as we, as a Christian, you get to see that in people. And it was really cool. And, and you know, I wasn't like, are you ready to profess your faith in Jesus Christ? And I just trusted the Lord with all that. But my point is, is I think that when we, when we go into the world, it is easy to be distracted and allow the world to form us, that we are to conform to it, that we're to find comfort I want you to know that we have a message. And if we think about this relationship being in the world, but not of the world, we can't allow the world to shape us. We can't give in to those things. Because as, as soon as we begin to do that, we begin to take every sort of good advice. Every person that can tell us something to do, we're gonna take it. And we'll have Jesus and we'll do the Christian thing. And we'll have it on the side. But that is not what it means that when Jesus says that they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world, that is what he's talking about. So as we close, I, wanna, I want you to consider a couple of things. And I want you to consider it in your own life, and I want you to consider it collectively as us as the vessel. Is the, first, the first is this, is purpose and perspective. Purpose and perspective. If, in the, if us being in the world guides our purpose, it is, it is why we're here, where God has placed us. And so right now, consider, where are you? Where are you in your life? Where do you live? Who are the people that you're in relationship with? What is the mail route that you walk every day? What halls of which hospital do you go to every day? What apartment complex do you live in? Where has God placed you? And why? Why are you there? Shay and I have struggled with this a lot the past couple weeks. And, and we've realized is that here we are and we're in this community and we're in this neighborhood. And so last night, our kids were at grandma's house. And so Shay and I just went for a walk and we walked and prayed. And God just showed to me where he's placed us. And we're, we're praying for opportunities to be able to love those who are lost and to, and to share the gospel through our lives with people. And, and our 10-year-old daughter is struggling with friendship. And she has these three really close friends and there's no sort of evidence that they know Jesus or that the family knows anything about Christ. And we're like, oh man, we're like walking and praying. We're like, man, Lord, like if she could just have some good Christian friends, it wouldn't be so hard. She wouldn't feel alone in her faith because she does. And the Lord's like, 
wait, what are you praying for? You can't have both. Do you want comfort? Do you want a Christian bubble? Or do you want opportunities? And our prayer began to change. We're like, God, thank you for the opportunities that we've been given. And so she had one of her little friends spend the night the other night. And so it was just a really cool opportunity. And even like in the neighborhood, Shay and like the mom, the whole mom crew in the neighborhood, that is not Shay's jam. But the Lord has challenged her on that. And how do I step out of my comfort zone? But to truly think, why am I here? Who are the people that God has placed around me? Because we are not of this world. That changes our perspective. So our purpose is where we are and where God's placed us. Our perspective is a kingdom perspective. Scripture calls us many things. Scripture calls us sheep among wolves. Jesus said, I'm sending them out as sheep into the, into the pack of wolves. He says that we're to be hated by the world. And what, our, what is our perspective supposed to be? As we look, is it supposed to be a perspective of the kingdom or a perspective of the world? And the last thing I want to say, and, and this is how Jesus closes this, and I want to close with this this morning. In verse 17, he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Again, in verse 19, he says, for, I, for them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Now, I want us to close and understand this idea that we're to be sanctified, not satisfied. So we think about the world. What God wants to do with us here is to sanctify us, not satisfy us. To sanctify literally means to be set apart or declared as holy. It's biblically what it means to be a vessel. It's a vessel that's being sanctified, set, up, set apart for holy use. It's a holy instrument. And that's what God is doing in our lives. To be satisfied means that our needs, our desires, and our wants are met. When we think about satisfaction is of the flesh, sanctification is of the spirit. And so next week, we're gonna talk about those things that we do. But I think it's important that we have a healthy understanding of what our relationship with the world is supposed to look like and what it truly means to be in the world, but not of the world. Next week, we're gonna talk about the ministries that we're involved in. We're gonna talk about missionaries that we've sent out from the vessel. We're gonna talk about what it means to be an evangelist and what it means to spread and to share the gospel, to change our community that we're in. But we've gotta have a healthy perspective of our relationship with the world. So if you would, stand with me, and I'm gonna pray a prayer of sanctification over us, and we'll finish up. Thank you for joining us this morning for our service. We are publishing content throughout the week for Church at Home through our social media and website. For more information, visit www.vessel.church.